0: Talking about the nation as a whole, is his desire that <clears throat> and prayer uh, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Amen. I mean, that's your prayer as well. Amen, that you might be saved, your family might be saved. Amen. Verse two: For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge; for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Now, you need to understand that. It doesn't mean it's a cut off thing. It's not like, okay, Jesus comes and the law, boom, he cuts it off and it's no longer. The word there, the end, means uh, lo- the goal of the law. He's the goal of the law. For Christ is the end or the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. By the grace of God, Romans chapter 10 and 11 today. Father, we come before You right now. We ask Your blessing, God, to be upon the reading of Your Holy Word. We thank You, God, today for Your grace and mercy. Speak in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 deals with Israel's response to the gospel, really the lack of response to the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As a result of so few Jews coming into the church, coming into the truth of the gospel through Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul begins to break down in tears. He begins to cry as we taught you last Sunday. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 9. I say the truth in Christ I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He's talking about Israelites. He looks at the nation and so few Jews are coming to the truth. doesn't make sense that the Jewish Messiah has come and so few of them are responding to uh, him. And so the Apostle Paul is broken hearted, begins to cry, he says, I'm willing to die and be cut off from Christ. I'm willing to die and go to hell if it would mean the salvation of the nation of Israel. Now, in verse 30 of chapter 9 through chapter 10 and verse 21, the Apostle Paul begins to explain why is this? Why has this happened? Why isn't more Jews responding to the gospel? Why aren't more people being saved? And so, chapter 10, he begins to talk about this. His desire is that Israel would be saved. Verse 2, he says, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And that's interesting. That tells me that you and I can have a zeal for God or somebody can have a zeal for God and not be saved. There are a lot of zealous people. A lot of zealous people for God. They're zealous for God. Uh, But some people are not saved even though they have a zeal for God. And we see here the Apostle Paul is addressing the nation of Israel. They have a great zeal for God. But they're not saved. And the reason why they're not saved is because they haven't responded to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul has already talked about in Romans chapter 9. All the promises of God that God gave to the nation of Israel. All these promises that they had, but they did not respond uh, to the truth when it came to them, to the Gospel. They had God come in the flesh, Jesus Christ Himself. He was a Jew, but yet they rejected Him. And so they have a zeal, but their zeal for God is not according to knowledge. It's not based on the Word of God. It's just a zeal that they have It's their own efforts and their own way to try to be saved. And so this has broken the Apostle Paul's heart. He's going to explain what the problem is, beginning with verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So there's two ways to try to be saved. Excuse me, Paul is talking about these two ways. One is a person trying to earn their salvation, trying to pay the price for their own sin. Okay, I can bring it to you so you understand. If you try to be saved by your own good works, apart from Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about good works that are produced by salvation. I'm talking about you're trying to produce salvation by your own goodness. Therefore, if you do that, if you take that approach, then you are trying to pay for your own sin. Does that make sense? And that was what was going on with the nation of Israel. They were trying to establish salvation by their own goodness, their own good works. Judaism today, apostate Judaism today, when you talk about true Jews, you're not talking about Judaism today judaism is judaism today is a works salvation type of religion judaism today and they still try by their own good works to pay the price for their sin so judaism as you know it today is an apostasy it's an apostate religion amen Uh, there are true jews but those true jews are the ones who responded to the gospel of our lord and savior jesus christ so Paul's talking about uh, God's righteousness by people versus people trying to obtain their own righteousness by their own good works. It means trying to pay for your sin by your good works. You can't pay for your own sin. And I can't pay for my own sin. And that's what Israel was trying to do at that day. And they're trying to do it today as far as Judaism is concerned. And so many other people as well. Now verse uh, 4 it says for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. it they missed the whole point the goal of the law or the purpose of the law was to lead them to Jesus Christ all the types and all the shadows and everything that was in the Old Testament the law its commandments its, its demands upon the person was all meant to lead you to Jesus Christ he was the goal of the law <clears throat> But they got so focused on the law itself. They got so focused on the letter itself. Focused on that. Trying to keep it. Trying to obey it. And here comes the Savior that the law talked about and they completely missed Him. Completely missed Him. And so, verse 5, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. See? That's the, that's the other way. You can be saved by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That means that you know He paid the price for your sin. Or the second one is what Paul's talking about in verse 5, that a person that is going to try to be saved by establishing their own righteousness is trying to do the works of the law. That means trying to be saved by the works of the law. you understand the difference here? So here's the problem. <clears throat> The problem is not with God. The problem is not with the gospel. The problem is with the individual. The problem here particularly is with the nation of Israel. Now look at verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith. Say faith. You're responding. You respond to the gospel. The righteousness which is of faith. right Standing with God which is of what? Faith. Speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart. Now here we go. Paul is going to tell us that the gospel has come. There is an opportunity. It's already here. It's it's not lacking in any way. It's here. It's available to the Jews if they'll respond. And so he talks about this. Now you want to follow very carefully here. Verse 6. But the righteous which is of faith, speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. So what is the righteous which is of faith saying? It's saying here that there's no need for you to go to heaven and bring down Jesus Christ. What he's saying here is that The Christ of God, the Messiah, has already come. He is God come in the flesh. The incarnation has already taken place. Is everybody with me here? So you don't need to go up to heaven and bring Him down. Paul is saying He's already come. And He is God in flesh. He is the incarnation. Amen? So, verse 7. Or who shall descend into the deep? is to bring up Christ again from the dead. Paul is saying you don't need to go down into the deep either and try to bring Him up. He, what he's saying is that Jesus Christ has already come. He's died and He's risen from the dead. The resurrection has already taken place. You get that? Okay, now why, <clears throat> why is Paul taking this approach to his people, to the nation, to Israel? Why is he telling them that? Because he understands, Paul knows, that if the Jewish people can understand who Jesus Christ is, that He is the Lord of glory, and that He has come down from heaven, God come to the flesh, and He's died, He's risen from the dead. If he can get them to believe that Jesus is Lord, they'll go on and get saved. The problem is, they do not believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Okay? So that's, what he, that's why he's talking like he's talking to them because he knows that if he can prove to them that Jesus Christ is their Messiah, if he can prove to them that he has come, already come, and he's risen from the dead, he knows that if they believe that, they'll go on and be saved. Okay? So let's keep reading here. Or <laughs> well, who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Okay? Not only has Jesus Christ come, not only has he risen from the dead, but the message Paul is saying that we preach, the apostles' doctrine, the apostolic message, okay? He said, it is available to you. We preach it. You don't have to wait for another message. This is the message. And it's available to you. You have an opportunity right now to respond to that message, okay? Okay, let's keep going. That if thou shalt confess with with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Okay, so let's talk about that. Again, confession, believing that Jesus is the Lord, is where He's going here. He's trying to get them to understand and believe that their Messiah has come. He's risen from the dead. The message that they preach is available to them. If they'll respond to it, they can be saved. Get that? Okay. So, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. Now, what does that mean? Well, you go to certain churches today, and they will tell you all you have to do is accept Jesus as your personal Savior. And you're going to go to heaven. How many of y'all have ever gone to a church that's told you that? I mean, I have. I think probably everybody here has gone to a church where they say, okay, well, we got two examples. We got a church that you could go to, and it says, all right. You can pay for your own sin by your own good works. There's some churches like that today. Uh, Judaism is one of them. You can go to another church and they say, Well, Jesus Christ, all you got to do is open up your mouth and confess, Jesus is my Lord. They'll say it something like this, Come and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So, come down to the altar, shake the pastor's hand, and say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And they will tell you. Okay, believe it or not, this is the truth. They will tell you as soon as you confess words with your mouth that you're confessing the Lord that you're on your way to heaven. You understand? <clears throat> they are misleading people. Now, confessing the Lord is the first step. But that doesn't put you in a position of salvation. See, we have to talk about this. We have to break this down in the light of what the apostles preached to the lost. What did the apostles preach to the lost and tell them how to be saved? Yeah, Acts 2.38, right? Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then all of a sudden, here comes Paul. Paul. And he says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Right? Is that all you got to do? Well, what about what the apostles preached originally? Is is Paul bringing another gospel? Is he bringing another way to be saved? No. This confession here is more than just words that you say. In fact, if you're honest with the Scripture, and here's here's some things I've got to tell you. There are some people, Trinitarians, okay, also will look at this passage and say, this is a baptismal passage. That when people got ready to be baptized, this right here was read to them in a baptismal ceremony. So whenever the Bible says, if you confess, look at it again, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What did they preach? What did the apostles preach? Confession, brothers and sisters, is not just words that you say with your mouth. Confession is water baptism as well. So when you go down in water in the name of Jesus and at that point, You call upon the name of the Lord. See, baptism is part of confession. Does that make sense? So Paul is not saying, okay, don't worry about being baptized in water in Jesus' name. Don't worry about repenting of your sins. He's not saying don't worry about getting the Holy Ghost because confession includes all of that. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's look at it very carefully. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised it from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Notice it doesn't say you are saved, you shall be saved. Okay? Has everybody got that so far? <clears throat> For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth on Him, Amen, shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. Is everybody with me here? Okay, let's look at it again. If thou shalt confess, verse 9, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised it from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Okay? Everybody with me on that? Now, look at First Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Let's go over there. <clears throat> Okay, go over there real quick, First Corinthians chapter 12 verse three, look at what it says, there's no contradiction in the Word of God. okay <clears throat> Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is what? The Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So it's very clear to me by the Word of God, when it talks about confessing the Lord Jesus, there's no way you can even call Him Lord. You you can say it with your mouth. You can make words and say Jesus is Lord. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost, the Bible says you don't have a true confession that He's your Lord. No man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. Do you understand that? Okay. So when we look at this passage, we need to take the Word of God as a whole. And again, they call this the Roman's Road. Bring you to church, Roman's Road. Uh, come accept Jesus as your Savior. Confess Him as your Lord. And you're on your way to heaven. But the passage is much more than that. It's talking about the message the apostles preached. It was near them. It was available to them. That means there was a specific plan that they preached. They preached the finished work of Jesus Christ. And they told people how to be born again. How to get into the kingdom of God. Amen. Okay, let's keep reading. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. Alright? But how do you call on Him? How do you call on Him? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, Paul's trying to get them to understand that you've got to believe that Jesus is Yahweh that's come in salvation. That He is none other than the God of the Old Testament come in salvation. That's where He's at on this. And He's talking to them about confession. And then He's telling them now, He says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So did He change it in midstream? No, He says, now you've got to call upon the name of the Lord. Okay, how do you call upon the name of the Lord? You just say you stand up and say, "Okay, Jesus, I confess you as Lord." According to the New Testament, the way that you call upon the name of the Lord is when you get water baptized in His name. You see that? All right. Verse fourteen: How then shall they call on Him whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear? without a preacher. Amen? Paul is letting them know you can't be saved apart from Jesus Christ. He's the only way that you can be saved. You are dependent on Him for your salvation. Amen? You've got to confess it, confess Jesus is Lord with your mouth. Amen? You've got to believe it in your heart. You've got to call upon His name. But you don't even know how to do that. There's a how-to. There's a way to do it you don't even know how to do that without a preacher amen i wouldn't even know how to do that if the apostles hadn't preached the gospel and told me how and paul has already declared that the gospel is near it's available all you got to do is respond to it but i got to know what that gospel is i got to know what those apostles preach so how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how uh, and how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard and how shall they hear Without a preacher. Amen? See, it's it's going to be the preacher, it's going to be the Bible way, or it's going to be man's way. So you've got to go back to the Word of God and find out what they preached. Verse 15, How shall they preach except they be sent? Now who was sent by God to tell, to tell us how to call upon the name of the Lord? I can stand up here and tell you I'm sent of God. Anybody can come along and say, I'm sent of God. Can you know I'm sent of God? I mean, some of you think I'm sent from God. I pray I'm sent from God. How can you know I'm sent from God? We talked about the book of Revelation, Wednesday night, how to tell the difference between true and false prophets, true and false apostles. Everybody can claim to be a preacher. And anybody can claim to be a preacher. And when it comes to your salvation, brothers and sisters, you're going to put your um, eternal, your soul, your eternal soul in the hands of what somebody tells you. You better make sure that person is sent from God. Because anybody can say they're sent from God. All right. The only way that you can know that I'm sent from God is if I preach what the sent ones preached. Let's go to John 17 real quick. John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. Let's find out who sent from God. All right, verse 3. Jesus' high priestly prayer. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent okay who sent Jesus is sent right we know that by the word of god now look at verse 17 John 17:17 17, 17. sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth as thou hast sent me into the world even so have i also sent them into the world And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall what? Believe on me through their word. So Jesus did not only pray for his disciples. He prayed for everybody that would believe on him. How? Through their word. That's why Paul is saying, how are you going to believe on him? You don't even know how to believe on Him. Except somebody has, that has been sent by God can tell you how to believe. And so, again, Jesus was sent. The apostles were sent. You can't know if I'm sent. One exception. And that is, I, I am preaching what those apostles I can tell you all day long, I'm sent by God. But what will determine it is if I believe on Him through their word because they are the sent ones. Does that make sense? Now, I I can guarantee you, brothers and sisters, by the word of God, Jesus is sent. He's the the source. He's He's the focus of this whole message. And I can guarantee you, number two, the apostles were sent. And if I go in there and I read where the apostles preached to the lost, the verbatim preaching of the apostles to the lost, and I hear what comes out of their mouth, what did they tell the lost? What did they tell the Jews in Acts chapter 2? What did they tell uh, the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8? What did they tell the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10? They told them the same thing. And that was to repent, and be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Ghost. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything is established. So, all I have to do, if, if I'm going to try to bring somebody to a salvation knowledge of, of truly believing, not just saying words, but truly believing the gospel and believing the Lord Jesus Christ, then I have to go back and I have to listen to the preachers, I have to listen to the sent ones. And find out what they preach to the lost. And then, if I tell you that, good the possibility that I'm sick. If nothing else, I'm declaring to you the message of the sent ones. Does that make sense to you? Okay? <clears throat> now, I have got into situations in the past of trying to win people to the truth. They have religious backgrounds and family members trying to talk them out of it. Oh, you don't need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You know, you're saved, you're going to heaven. And I just gave him the word of God, and I looked at this one particular individual. I was in this struggle. The parents were trying to talk him out of getting baptized in water in the name of Jesus, and but I looked at him and I said, "I tell you what, I'm going to come to you right now as a sinner, okay? And I'm on my way to hell." And I said to this individual, "I said, I want you to tell me that you claim to be a Christian." You claim to care about my soul and and I want I'm coming to you right now and I'm asking you to tell me how to be saved because I want to be saved. And I looked at this person, I said, What would you tell me? And then I responded to the question and I asked him by saying this I said, If I were coming to you and you were lost you know what, I would tell you? I would tell you the same things the apostles told the lost. I wouldn't make up something on the fly. Amen. I would tell you the same thing they preach. So I said, What would you tell me if I came to you? See, you talk to people that all they, that they believe, all you got to do is accept Jesus as your personal Savior and you're going to heaven. Go to them and ask them. I'm a lost individual. What would you, I want to be saved. What would you tell me? And my eternal destiny depends on what you're telling me. See what their response is. Okay? And then respond and tell them, you know what I would say to you if you were lost? I would tell you what the apostles preach to the lost. Because they are the ones that are sent by God. And I, I don't care, brothers and sisters, I don't care who you are. You don't have authority to change this gospel message. You don't have authority to change what the apostles told the lost to do to be saved. You don't have the authority to do that. And if you, if you do that, if you change the message the apostles preached to the lost, tell them how to be saved, you're probably going to die and go to hell. Amen? Because you don't have the authority to do that. And I don't have the authority to do that. If it says it in the Word of God, I have a responsibility as your pastor, or even just a believer, to tell you the truth. To tell you how to call upon the name of the Lord. And that's not just saying a word. That's baptism in water. How to tell you to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And only somebody that has the Holy Ghost can say that Jesus is the Lord. Many will say to me in that day, Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? Done many wonderful works in Thy name. Cast out devils in Thy name. And Jesus will look at them. And what did they say? Right there on judgment day, they called Him Lord. Right there on judgment day, they said, Lord, Matthew 7. They were saying the words out of their mouth that He was the Lord. But He says, what's going to happen on Judgment Day? To those people who stand there, cast out devils, did many wonderful works in His name, prophesied in His name. Depart from Me, ye that work iniquity. It is not just about opening your mouth and saying Jesus is Lord. A lot of people are going to do that even on Judgment Day. And if that's all it takes... The Lord would say, oh, come on in. You call me Lord. There's a certain way that you call upon Him. And it's according to the message that the apostles preached. Now, why doesn't Paul just come out and quote Acts 2.38 here? Because he's dealing with unbelieving Jews who don't even believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't believe that He is the Lord. They are rejecting Him. So He has to bring an understanding to them, a revelation to them that Jesus Christ has already come down. The incarnation, God of the flesh, He's already come down from heaven. You don't have to go up and get Him. You don't have to go in down into the deep and bring Him up from the dead because He's risen from the dead. The message that they preach is near them. What message was it? it was a, he said, it is available to you Jews to respond to the Messiah, your Messiah that has come to save you, and the message salvation is available to you. And if you'll confess them that He's the Lord, first step for Israel is to believe that He is the Lord, that He is the Messiah. When you get that, I told you when I preached the book of Acts, said you get that right. Anybody in that world in that day, if you could convince them that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh, if you could convince Him that He was the Lord, they would automatically get baptized in water in Jesus' name. So that's what Paul is up against. He's up against these Jews not believing that Jesus is the Lord. Is anybody with me here? So he's telling, he's telling them and us that we need a preacher to know how to call. On the name of the Lord. And so verse 15. How shall they preach except they be what? Sent. Who's the sent ones? The apostles. Question for you. Paul was a Jew. How did Paul get saved? Go back to the Word of God in the book of Acts. You'll find out exactly how the Apostle Paul got saved. Now, what's this whole passage about? He said, my harsh desire and prayer is that Israel might be saved. And he said, I'm going to tell you how to do that. Well, how did Paul get saved? He was a zealous Jew. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. Persecuting the church because he thought that they were preaching another God. Jesus, they thought, he thought they were preaching another God because they declared that Jesus was the Lord. So he's persecuting them. What happened to Paul? He got struck down the road to Damascus. The light uh, from heaven came, blinded him, the glory of God blinded him, struck him down to the ground. He said, Who art thou? Lord. He didn't even know who the Lord was as a Jew. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And so then the word to him tells him to go to a certain place, and one, Ananias, will come in and, and tell him how to be saved. Here, Ananias, you know, he's probably chattering and scared half to death because God's telling him to go to go preach the gospel to a persecutor. What, and read Acts chapter nine. What does Ananias tell you to do? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling what? Calling on the name of the Lord. This Jew, Paul, was water baptized in Jesus' name. This Jew, he said in 1 Corinthians, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. That's how this Jew, Paul, got saved. Is by calling on the name of the Lord and water baptism and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So he knows that if he brings this message to the Jews, the same one that saved him as a zealous Jew, he was so zealous he'd kill people. Amen? But he got born again. So look at how Paul got saved. Then he gets saved a different way. Everybody got saved the same way. Hallelujah. Say, praise the Lord. Well, you you say, well, you're just not in the mainstream. I'm not trying to be in the mainstream. I'm trying to be in, I'm going to be in the Word of God. Man, because my salvation depends on it, and your salvation depends on it. And and that's why I'm, I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to impart truth into Prophets Melvis and Pastor Ingulsa and so on, other people that are gonna go out and not just be a, you know saints in the church, but gonna be missionaries to the world. So that they'll know if they declare who Jesus is. Who is he? He's the God-man. God man. God coming for He is the Lord who's come down from heaven, risen from the dead. He paid the price, the finished work, Amen. And they go forth and preach that and tell people if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And they water baptize people in Jesus' name, just like Paul was. And they get the Holy Ghost, just like Paul did. And they can look at those people and tell them, and you can look at those people, and I can look at those people, and I can tell you by the Word of God, at least you got born again, at least you're saved in a Bible way. Amen. We're, we want to do it the Bible way, not our own way. It's man's way or God's way. That's what Paul is saying. So if you get a little bit confused, somebody sometimes, and people say, "Well, we preach the Romans Road." You say, "Well, how do you preach it? Explain it. The man that preached it. How did he get saved? He was sent by God. And so we have to have a preacher. You need a preacher." That's why it's important that we are missionary of the world. These people walk in the streets, people you work with all the time, how are they going to know about how to get saved unless you tell them? You rub shoulders with them all day long. I'm going to ask you a question. How long have you been on your job? If you've been on your job for any length of time at all, Everybody in that workplace ought to know how to get saved. Everybody in that workplace, by your, by the words that come out of your mouth, okay, ought to know how to get saved. And thank God if you, you know, you want to have a little prayer meeting with them at work, or you want to pray with them, You're going through things. Thank God for that. You know, you want to share a little of the Word of God with each other. Thank God for that. But at some point, when it comes to salvation, the people that you work with, I'm asking you a question. You don't say anything to them about how to get saved. How are they going to know? And on judgment day, God's going to have, each one of us is going to stand before the and say, why didn't you witness to that person? Why did you tell them how to be born again? Why do you tell them how to get saved? You didn't care about their soul. said, so, well, I just went there to earn, earn a paycheck. Thank God that you are, but you need to share the gospel with these people. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. It's important, man. You can go to the Old Testament and they'll find there's a dead man very near to a city. A dead man. Nobody knows what happened to the man. Who's going to be accountable for that dead man laying in the middle of the road? They would literally measure the distance from the, of that man's body to the nearest city. And they would hold that city responsible for that dead man. On judgment day, there's dead people all around us. And on judgment day, there's going to be a measurement that's made. And where that dead person on their way to a devil's hell is going to die and go to hell. God's going to say, "Who was the closest city to him? Who was the closest church to him?" You look at it that way, you start thinking about the people around you. that Someday, God's going to say, "Why didn't you witness that person?" You don't care if you and I do not care about the souls of men. I highly doubt it that you or I are going to go You make it, if you and I make it, we never tell anybody about this gospel. You're gonna you're gonna smell like fire when you go in there if you make it. And I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just telling you that you've got the message that'll bring salvation to lost and condemned souls. These people are gonna spend eternity somewhere, and they don't know how to believe on the Lord. They've been taught, they've been taken to church and all these things. But according to the Word of God, you and I have a responsibility to tell them the truth. Amen. Say praise the Lord. And I appreciate you. I appreciate those of you who are involved with that and trying to, trying to do that and want to do that. Thank God. we, we got a lot on our shoulders. We have a responsibility. We are stewards of a gospel. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So, I can tell you today by the Word of God and by my experience... That I have been born again according to that word. That I have obeyed what the apostles preached. I have, I, I'm saved the same way Paul got saved. Hallelujah. And that's important. Now on judgment day I'm sure. And I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm sure on judgment day God's going to say. You know. This person lived right next door to you. Never said a word to you worked right next to this person, never said it went you know <clears throat> went to the gym, never said it. I, I you know what I make the gym, when I go to the gym, I make it an evangelistic effort. You know, there's some people that come and go and I don't even know them I never haven't never met them, nothing like that. But if I start interacting with somebody, you know, pretty soon they're gonna know about Jesus Christ. Amen. Most people in that gym who know me know I'm an apostolic preacher. Because I, I have a desire to see people saved. And I'm not going there just to work out. I'm going there to fish. I'm fishing, and I'm fishing in a funny place, man. But I'm, I'm going there to fish. Hallelujah. You know, so I just my best advice to some of these people is, you know, keep your distance because you get too close to me, and you talk to me too much, you're going to find out about the Lord. Amen. And I don't ram it down their throat or anything like that. I mean, I try to use wisdom and tact, you know. But eventually, I'm, when the door opens, you're going to know when the door opens. Eventually, they're going to find out the truth. The full gospel. Amen. I got a friend. Over there right now, you know, him and his wife, they're, they're good Baptists. And uh, I say they're good Baptists. I don't even know if they're good Baptists, but anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I've been talking to them about getting baptized just the get filled with the Holy Ghost. They've come to church one time here, and, you know, we had special service. And the other day he came to me, and he said, man, strange things have been happening to me. He said, my wife's air compressor locked up, and the belt burned up, and it smelled real bad. And so I went over there, and I opened it. Hood and the compressor, you know, was locked down and smelled real bad. And he said, On the way home, I was driving my vehicle and the compressor locked down and burnt the up It smelled real bad. And then he said, My dad's water well stopped working, and because they live near to uh, the dad, my dad's water well stopped working, and our water well stopped working. He's looking at me like I said, I Wonder what's going on. I said, Well. I said it might be that something's trying to tell you that your friend at the gym's telling you the truth and and it might be that you know to have a rubber belt bust or whatever and smell bad is a lot better than having your flesh burning in hell. <laughs> so I'd rather I'd rather I get God trying to get my attention and the compressor locked down and burn up a belt. Than to burn forever in hell. That's what I told him. I did it in a nice way, a smile on my face. <laughs> so he said, I, I said, you know, I said, pray for him named Danny and his wife's name's Dusty. I said, you know, there is a, such a thing as pre illumination to salvation. And a lot of people think that they start experiencing things with God, they have dreams or whatever, get healed in their body. And they sometimes equate that to salvation. But that's pre-illumination to salvation. When your compressors lock up, not just one, but two, and the well breaks down, not just on your dad, but you too. I mean, I just take that and say, that's God talking to you. It's a pre-illumination to salvation. Everybody goes through that time of pre-illumination to salvation. Where you have dreams and visions and... Hallelujah! How many can look back before your conversion... The things that God allowed you to go through to bring you to this place in your life to where that you know the truth. And some of the things you experienced at church or whatever, you, you said that was salvation. It wasn't. It was just a pre-illumination to your salvation. Amen. Man, I mean, when God had my number, he will get your number, you know. When He gets your number, man, you start having dreams, strange things start happening. What in the world's going on man strange things man you know? no God's got your number he's trying to save you now I'm not going to give you my testimony again but uh, woo man you talk about 18 years of age really strange things are to happen to me God trying to save me and as a result of that I'm here amen praise the Lord but but we have a message that we have a responsibility to go out and preach hallelujah But if they reject it, it's not your problem. Their blood is not on your hands. But if you don't tell them the full gospel, their blood's on your hands on Judgment Day if they don't make it. You're judging people, Pastor. You're, you're, You're deciding who's going to be in heaven and who's going to be in heaven. No, I'm not. God's going to do that. God's going to judge. I'm not the one who's going to let people in heaven and keep them out. God's going to do that. But I'm not going and I can't limit the atonement. I'm not saying that everybody, you know, that's not baptized in Jesus' name is going to go to hell. I'm not saying that. I can't limit the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. But I can tell you one thing, and when I say that, that's not a compromise. That's his decision, not mine. But I know one thing I know the truth, and I've got to tell people, I've got to preach this word. And preach the word that the sent ones preached. Telling the lost how to be saved. If I do that, then I know. At least if they take that step and they're born again. Wow. Amen. That, that, that's, that's the beginning. That's what's needed. If even get in it. Even get in it. Say praise the Lord. Amen. Come to you glad you're baptized in His name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We ought, to, we ought to be a lot more thankful than we are. Literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in this area have never been born again. They get up and they go to church and they think they're, they're saved. And I pray that they are. But I can tell you what I preach will get you saved. If You'll obey it. You'll respond to it. It'll get you saved. Hallelujah. So you're judging. You're know, you talking to try to be a soul winner. And you're judging me. You're telling me I'm going to hell because I'm not baptizing you. I'm not telling you that. I, I'm not your judge. God is. But I am telling you the Word of God. And there is no contradiction in the Bible. Romans 10, 9 and 10 can't compre- uh, contradict Acts 2.38. Romans 10, 9 and 10 can't contradict Acts 8 and Acts 10 and Acts 19. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 it can't contradict. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. Say praise the Lord. So I'm thankful today for the Word of God. Not arrogant, not arrogantly. By the grace of God Almighty, He allowed me to see this truth. By the grace of God Almighty, even, even when He was showed to me, I could have said no. By the grace of God Almighty, His Spirit working within me, on me, allow me to respond to this great truth and I thank God for it hallelujah now okay so having said that you need to understand that when you get baptized in water in Jesus name baptism you you getting baptized you doing that amen doesn't pay for your sin if you do that You're going to do this to pay for your sin. You missed the whole point. You're back where the Jews are. Trying to do some good work to pay for your sin. No, baptism is because the sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is how you're getting the blood that paid for your sin applied to your life to remit it, to wash it away. And then you get filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues and you become a born again believer. But none of that is you paying for your own sin. Awake? okay, Hallelujah. How shall they preach except they be sent? You know the apostles are sent, right? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them which preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See, Bible talking about their feet it means that they're moving, they're taking it, they're preaching it. All right, there's movement here in declaring the word of God. Amen. So, then what is the problem? Paul is showing that it's available to them. The gospel's available to them. Everything they need has been done. So, then what is the problem? Why are not more people coming? Why are not more Jews being saved? If that's the truth. So, Paul explains it. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our reports. Not everybody that hears the gospel obeys the gospel. It wasn't that the Jews didn't hear the gospel. It wasn't because the Word of God was failing. God is faithful. The problem, Paul brings it right down. It says because they haven't obeyed the gospel. You can hear the gospel and not obey it. You can come to church all day long and hear the word of God preached and it not do you one bit of good except it's mixed with faith. Amen? I don't want to just hear the gospel. I want to obey the gospel. Paul explains, Amen, what the problem is. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How's faith come? Comes by hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing. That's why I know I know you know this. It's basic. I know you know it. But I gotta keep preaching it to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, Pastor, I just don't have enough faith. Keep coming and hearing the word of God. Hallelujah. And and by the grace of God, make sure that on a Saturday night you get enough sleep. Because if you stay up all night long and you come to church, you're not going to be able to... You won't be cognizant, whatever that is. (laughs) Right? Say praise the Lord. You know, instead watch movies all night and then come to church and complain because the pastor preaches two hours. Say amen. Well, he's boring. I don't preach to you a boring message. Okay. I'm just teaching you this morning. Okay. Not preaching. You teach doctrine. You teach doctrine. Right. Well, you could preach it to it as well. But I'm just saying, you know, just because I'm not hanging from the chandeliers, we don't have any. But that doesn't mean there's not an anointing. God wants you to understand His Word. Everybody understand? Okay. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes. Verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. There is no excuse. The apostles took their message to the world and preached the gospel to the world. With that. So the problem wasn't that they didn't hear. They heard. They just didn't obey it. Amen? Verse 19, But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people and by a foolish nation. I will anger you. Right? Wow, this is powerful. But Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he said, All day long I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gain people again. The problem is not that the message has not been preached. The message has been preached. People know what they're supposed to do. They're not ignorant. They know what they're supposed to do. The problem is they haven't obeyed the gospel. Amen? In verse 21, secondarily, but to Israel, he saith, all day long I've stretched forth my hands. All day long. Reaching out to them all day long. And he still is today. To this very day, he's still stretching forth his hands to the lost with the message of salvation. Then what is the problem? Again, it's not with God. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is good. It's not with the message. The message is available. It's not with a lack of the incarnation or the finished work. It's already been done. There's nothing that needs to be done. Amen? As far as God is concerned. Concerning your salvation. The problem is with us. If we walk in unbelief. Amen? And if we are disobedient, Paul is showing again. Why are not more Jews coming in? Because of their disobedience. The Lord stretched forth His hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. You know what gainsaying means? It means to speak against the word that was spoken. Okay. I don't want to be a gainsayer. He says, speak against the word that is spoken people. Spend more time fighting the word of God than they just submitting to it. You just should obey it and obey it. Live live it. Amen. Instead of fighting it. That's what a gainsayer is, is somebody that speaks against the word that's spoken. Amen. <clears throat> Contradicting the truth. All right. So Paul explains then Romans chapter ten why the Jews, verses one through twenty-one, chapter ten, beginning with chapter nine, verse thirty. Why are the Jews in the condition that they're in today? And it's because of their unbelief. It is because of their disobedience. It is because they contradict the word of God that's been preached to them. Amen. Is everybody clear on what that message is for salvation? All right. chapter 11. In chapter 11, the apostle Paul, again, still dealing with the nation of Israel, is going to say that God is not finished with them. Now that means his hands are still being stretched out to them even to this day. It was being stretched out to them in that in that day. And yes, the good news is, even though as a nation they were rejecting it, there were many Jews that were responding. The apostle Paul did. The apostles that followed the Lord, they responded. Read the book of Acts and see people responded. Jews responded to the gospel. So there were some that were responding. Amen? And so Paul is saying that God hath not cast away His people. Verse 1, God forbid, for I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Again, verse 1, I say then, hath God cast away His people? God forbid. For I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away His people which He foreknew. What is Paul saying? God is not finished with them. God is not done with them. Now watch this. It takes mercy to save the Gentile. Now Paul is going to show the Jew that the same mercy that God extends to the Gentile to save them is the same kind of mercy they're going to need as well. And God is so amazing is that He is going to take the salvation of the Gentiles through the blindness of the Jews and cause Jews to become jealous. When they look at the blessings that come on the Gentile people as a result of their faith and their belief in Jesus Christ, when they see those blessings come upon the Gentiles, it's going to provoke them to jealousy. So God is going to use the mercy He shows to the Gentiles and reveal to Israel that they need that same kind of mercy and provoke Israel to jealousy when they look at your life and see what God has done in your life. So God is not finished with the Jews today. Is everybody with me? And, and I know a lot of this is about Israel and everything, but we need to understand it because there's a lot of truth in it for us. Um. Some people say that, well, that Jesus or God has replaced Israel with the church. It's called replacement theology. Okay? That is false. It is a false doctrine. God has not replaced Israel with the church. Does everybody understand that? God is not done with the nation of Israel. He is going to bring them. He is foreknowledge. He chose by His sovereign choice and election to love that nation. He chose them to be His particular people. He hasn't changed His mind about that. The church hasn't replaced Israel. When Jesus came died on the cross, established the church, Israel just got, got bigger. The Lord incorporated into His body True Israelites put Gentiles among them. We didn't replace her. We joined them. I'm talking about true Israel. Not unbelieving, natural Israel, but true Israel, the spiritual seed of God. The circle just got bigger. It didn't get smaller. Does understand that? Okay. All right. Amen. So he's not finished. though. look at it. He says, verse 2, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknow. What you not, what the scripture saith of Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. So what is God saying there? He's saying, as bad as it was in the days of Elijah, when they were killing the prophets of God. Alright? As, as bad as it was in that day, look at it again. They killed the prophets, they dig down the altars, and Elijah said, I'm the only one left, and they seek my life. And that's pretty bad when people who claim to be the servants of God are killing the prophets of God. Amen? Tearing down the altars of God. It was so bad. But yet, God is using that time in history when it was so bad. God says, even in that time, as bad as it was when the nation was killing the prophets of God and tearing down the altars of God, He said, there was still a remnant. God is saying through Paul, even in that day, as bad as it is, nation of Israel as a whole is walking in unbelief. As bad as it is, God is saying there's still a remnant within the nation of Israel that is coming to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and believe that He is the Lord God Almighty and being born again of the water and the Spirit. As bad as it is, there's still people getting saved in that nation. God's hand is still reaching out to them. He's not done with them. verse 5. Even so, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to what? The election of grace. According to the election of grace. We've already seen that word election in chapter 9. What is election? What is called the election of grace. So real quick, I don't want to lose you in the flow of the message, but real quick, I want to go back and talk about election real fast. Okay? Okay. Election is selection. It is when God selects. An individual or a nation. Election is selection. It's God's choice. God chose Israel is the chosen nation. They were chosen by God. They were selected by God. Does everybody understand that? Now, election, you have to have, if you, let me put it this way. If you try to really deeply understand election, you can lose your mind over it. Okay? Now, I'm not saying it's a doctrine you can't understand, but I'm saying that when you try to break it down, you mean, you, it, it can get so heavy that you can lose your mind over trying to understand election. Okay? But if, if, you, if you set election aside, you set your salvation aside. Because you can't be saved without God's election, without God choosing you. Now what are you saying, Pastor? Okay. Election, God's choice, God's selection of an individual. What does that mean? Does that mean that God, it's just not for me. It's for grandma, but it's just not for me. You know. That's a woman's religion. I mean, some people have that kind of thinking, that kind of mentality. That Christianity is a woman's religion. I'm too cool. I'm too tough. Well, it's just not for me. I gave it a try, and it, it just it works for other people, but it doesn't work for me. and And they use election as an excuse. see I, i'm I'm probably not one of the chosen ones. I'm just not like everybody in the church. I'm just different. I'm wired different. I think different. And they use election like it's that what I was saying earlier, that they look at it like, okay, God hasn't chosen me. They fail to understand election. God has chosen anybody and everybody that responds to the gospel. That's how you become a part of the elect of God. Amen? So today, brothers and sisters, the point is this. If you are the non-elect because you have refused to respond to the gospel because you are disobedient to the Word of God, then God is telling you today get out of the position of non-election and move into election. And that means if you choose what God chooses, you'll be saved. You choose election. is God's choice. So if I choose what God chose, I'm going to be saved. He has predestined, not an individual to heaven or to hell. He's predestined a church to glory. And everybody that gets into that church, if you're in that church, you will be in glory because He has already predetermined that you will be. Does everybody understand that? But if you stop, if you refuse to obey, refuse to believe the gospel, then you are on the negative side of election. The positive side of election is you respond. You choose what God chose and you'll end up in heaven because you chose what He chose. But you can use, you can exercise your will to will against the will of God. And if you do that, there's a negative side to election. And that means your heart will get harder and harder and harder. And God eventually will harden your heart and you'll be in hell as a non-elect individual. You make that choice. I make that choice. You choose what he chose, or you exercise your will to will against his will. That's what election is. Don't let the devil use a Bible doctrine on you that tells you, well, you know, you're just you're just predestined to go to hell. That no better what you can what you do, it's not going to make any difference anyway. You might as well throw up your hands and go to the world. But also don't use it the other way. That says there's absolutely nothing I can do to lose my salvation. Because God chose me. This election does not set aside a specific plan that God has given for you to obey to be saved. Well, I'm, I'm chosen of God. I don't have to repent and be baptized in just name to fill with the Holy Ghost. Election never sets aside a definite plan of salvation. That's how you respond. That's how you become the elect of God. Why are you chosen, brother? Because you chose to respond to the gospel. Why are you Why are you selected? Because you chose to respond to the gospel. If you say no to the gospel, you're no longer elect. You're not elect. It's really not that difficult to understand. Say praise the Lord. Now, brother asked me after church Sunday, "Doesn't God know who's going to do that?" I said, "Of course He does. He knows. He knows before you ever respond. If you're going to respond, He already knows." who's going to be in the elect and who's not going to be in the elect because He knows everything. He knows if you're going to be in heaven. He knows if I'm going to be in heaven. He knows if you're going to be in hell. He does. But He didn't predetermine that for you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's about your choices. It's about my choices. Either I'm obeying God or I'm not. I'm responding to Him or I'm not. I'm the elect of God because I chose what He chose or I'm exercising my will to will against Him in rebellion and disobedience. And I tell you today, if you're in the camp of the non-elect, get out of it. And get in the camp of the elect by being born again of the water and the Spirit. I say that because I know I've, I've talked to people in the past that talk just like that. You know, I don't know if this is for me. Well, who are you? Are you an alien? You're from another planet? Well, I'll just think different. Well, you better unthink. Call repent. Say praise the Lord. Well, that's just not my personality. Okay, well, lead me to your master. Where's your spaceship? Israel. God said to Israel, I, He said, I chose to set my love on that nation. And there are some that are not true Israelites. They're natural Israelites. and They've rejected the gospel and they're going to be lost because of their rejection and because of their disobedience. God says, I haven't changed my mind. I still want to save you. God said, I haven't changed my mind. I still want to save you. God hasn't changed His mind about you. If He wanted to save you to begin with, He still wants to save you. Somebody said, Amen. God set His love on you. grace don't deserve it do we and if by grace then it is no more of works otherwise grace is no more grace but if it be of works then it is no more grace otherwise work is no more work and I think y'all understand that what then Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for but the election have obtained it and the rest were blinded see the election obtained it but the nation as a whole did not obtain it Why? Because they rejected, it. God didn't say to the Jews, okay, I've got a plan to save some Gentiles, but what I have to do first is I have to blind you. So I'm going to blind you. Okay, so You can't see the gospel. I'm going to blind you so you can't see the gospel so now I can work with the Gentiles. That's not what he's talking about. He didn't do that. Because they rejected the word of God. They rejected the gospel then the sentence of judgment came from God. You're blind. Blind, blind. If you're blind today, it's because you choose to be blind. blind. If you're blind today, it's because you have rejected the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And so what God's going to do is going to use that blindness due to their sin and their rejection to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Amen? Amen. Amen. Everybody awake? Verse 8, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David, <coughs> see now, now, I've heard preachers preach on this, and you know, they say, well, it's very clear. The Bible says God blinded them, He intentionally blinded them for a reason. They're, they're missing the whole thing. The reason why they're blinded is because. Because in context of their disobedience, it's their failure, not God's. You never blame God. You'll never be able to point a finger and say, You blinded me, God. You'll never be a point of finger, God said, You didn't select me, God. God is showing you in these passages the human error, in that nation. And He's going to apply it to the Gentiles as we get to a close in a moment. He's going to turn it right around. What he's saying to Israel, he's going to apply it to you. And he says, The same thing that happened to them can happen to you. Watch. David saith, Let their table be made a snare, a trap, and a stumbling block, and recompense unto them, let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall salvation, is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. So their rejection of the gospel, their disobedience, okay, their failure, not God's. God is so amazing, He's going to take their failure and use it for the good. He knew they would do it. He knew they would reject the gospel as a nation. He says, What I'm going to do is I'm going to use that. And I'm going to, their rejection, I'm going to use it. Hallelujah! to the Jew first I'm going to take the gospel to the Jew first and when they reject it you go read the book of Acts they would go to the synagogues first to the Jew first and when the Jews rejected it they walked out of the synagogue went straight down the street and started preaching to Gentiles and the Gentiles responded God his wisdom is amazing Verse 12 Now if the fall of them (coughs) be the riches of the world, and the dimension of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my offices. I'm talking to you Gentiles right now. He says, I'm explaining to you why there are not more Jews coming into the the church. Their rejection of the gospel. Disobedience, but God is using that to give you Gentiles an opportunity to hear it. People that the covenants were not made to, I've given you a chance now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! But you Gentiles need to understand, God is saying, I'm speaking to you, I'm not done with Israel yet. I set my love on that nation. I still desire to see Jews saved out of that nation. So don't get prideful and arrogant when you see the numbers that are in the Gentile church—the large numbers in Gentile church and few numbers in the Jewish church. One church, but I'm just saying distinction in nationality. Don't get prideful and arrogant. Watch, ready? For I speak unto you, Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. If by means I might may provoke to emulation them that which which are my flesh, and might save some of them, but the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be, but life from the dead? You with me? Did you get it? Okay. If God can take the failure of the Jews and use that to cause the Gentiles to be saved. Make sense? What is it going to be like when the Jews start returning to the Lord and repenting of their sins? When is that going to happen? That's going to happen as a nation, not individuals, but as a nation at the second coming of the Lord. At the second coming of the Lord, when the fullness of the Gentiles are come in, that means God crushes the dominion power, Gentile power, off of the nation of Israel. That means the fullness of the Gentiles coming in means salvation, a predetermined number of of Gentiles that God knows is going to be saved. This is post-tribulational. It's at His second coming. What's going to happen when Jesus Christ comes back and defeats world powers and many Gentile nations are saved, brought into the kingdom? Israel is going to turn back to God. And the prophets are very clear that when He comes back, they're going to repent. They're going to see the one that they pierced standing on the mountain of Olives, And they're going to say, Where did you get these nail prints in your hands? And He will look at them and says, I received them in the house of my friends. And the Bible says a revival will break out in the nation of Israel like it's never seen before. They repent at the second coming of Jesus. So if their failure means the salvation of the Gentiles, what does their restoration mean? But resurrection from the dead. It's going to be like a resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. Give God praise in this house. And so then he begins to talk about this olive tree. And he explains it to the Gentiles again he's saying for if the first fruit be holy the lump is also holy and if the the root be holy so is the branches if some of the branches be broken off and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree boast not against the branches but if thou boast thou bearest not the root but the root thee thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in well because of unbelief they were broken off and thou standest by faith be not high-minded, but fear. You with me? What's he saying? All right. He said, all right, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Don't get arrogant. Don't get full of pride. He said, you were in a wild olive tree. And you weren't producing any fruit. But I had a good olive tree. That root of that olive tree. Who is the root? Isaiah 11. Jesus is the ultimate. Jesus is the ultimate root of the olive tree. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob put their faith in the one that would come, Jesus Christ. So we have Jesus as the root. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are part of the root. Who are they? Jews. That olive tree of true spiritual Israel, it grew, it grew. The nation of Israel, it grew from a root they, they walked out of Egypt. It grew, it grew, it grew. It kept growing, it kept going all the way up to the time of Jesus. That olive tree grew. But in that olive tree, there were some olive branches, natural Israel that didn't believe the Messiah when He came. And so the Bible says those unbelieving Jews, natural Israelites, were cut off out of the tree. And God took the old, wild olive, you and I, out of that world, put it in the olive tree whose root is Christ and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, true descendants, true people of faith. Put you Gentiles into that cut off branch. splashed you into that tree. And all of a sudden that's the sap from the root of that good olive tree begin to flow into your your branch The sap, the Spirit of God, of Jesus Christ begin to flow into your life. And all of a sudden, that wild olive branch begin to produce true spiritual fruit unto God. So God says, I've grafted you into Israel. The true olive tree of God. And the ones that were in natural Israel that didn't believe, He said, I cut them off and I... I put them over here. But I put you into that tree. So don't boast. Don't brag. Hallelujah. God grafted you in to the blessings of Abraham. You are the seed of Abraham. Even at this point right now, and I do believe it's accurate, but I still have a hard time calling you Israel. I still have a little hard time doing that. But I can call you the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. Why? Because you believe like Abraham believed. Abraham put his faith in the Messiah, the root of that tree. Are you here? But I still call you the Israel of God now. Not in the sense of replacement theology, but all true Israelites born again, walking in faith, embracing the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ are in that true spiritual olive tree. But I want you to understand that I don't believe it's just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that are the roots of that tree. I believe that Jesus Christ is the root of this tree. And because we're connected to Him, we're producing spiritual fruit. If you don't believe in Him, then you're cut off. You're just a natural branch. You're cut off. Amen. But don't brag. Don't boast. Because if God was able to do that for you and for me, we will. How many of y'all know you are wild? Still are some of you. Some of us still are wild. The only good in us is because of the Spirit of God flowing, because we're connected to the root, Christ Jesus, and the promises that He made to Abraham, God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So don't start bragging, saying, Well, we replaced Israel. God's done with them. He's through with them. Don't get an anti Semitic spirit. Say, Well, they crucified the Lord. They deserve to die. According to the Word of God, the world crucified him. Pilate and the Gentiles and Israel. Every one of us nailed him to that tree. That anti-Semitic spirit, that attitude—well, they crucified the Christ of God, so we can kill him if we want to. Was what drove Nazism. It's what drove Adolf Hitler. They crucified Jesus. They deserved to die. God's done. It. Paul said I'm speaking to you Gentiles don't you boast don't you brag it was by the mercy and grace of God God chose to put His love on you and He grafted you in to their awesome blessings and promises you need to thank God that it's an election by grace and if He saved you by His mercy by His sovereign choice amen even when you didn't deserve it Paul was going to say don't you Paraphrase, don't you understand that he can take those ones that were in unbelief if they repent and respond to the gospel? He's able to take those natural branches and graft them back in. If he could do that for a while, what could he do for the originals? Say, Praise the Lord. Verse 19, thou wilt say the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. Thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Same thing he did to Israel because of their unbelief. He said the same thing can happen to you. He grafted you in. That's why I tell you, once saved always, or unconditional eternal security is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. But you are the elect of God because God saw he saw before he went to the cross, he saw that you would believe. He saw that you would respond. He saw you'd be water baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. He saw you living a holy life. He saw you standing before him on judgment day as a saved individual. And it was the choices you made that he could look at you and say, You're the elect by grace. Because that I'm putting you in the tree if at some point you decide to no longer walk in this faith he'll cut you off just like he did Israel he said so you need to fear you need to have a reverence you need to have a respect don't walk around prideful and arrogant don't think once saved always saved no I said I'll cut you off too That is really, he said, behold, therefore the goodness and the severity of God on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou what continue in his goodness, you got to continue in his goodness. Otherwise, also thou shalt be cut off. Amen. Got to continue in his goodness. How many want to continue in his goodness? That means you got a choice. And they also, if they abide not, still in unbelief sh- shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in. again. Yeah. For if thou wert cut out of an olive tree which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. The blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Notice he didn't say total blindness. He said blindness in part, the only part blinded, only part of them rejected. And he said, blindness in part is upon Israel until the fullness. of of the Gentiles come in the word fullness means a predetermined number of Gentiles that will be saved that means God hasn't predetermined that number but there is a predetermined number He know what I mean by that he knows who's going to be saved in that number when the fullness of the Gentiles become in what's he going to do he's going to begin to deal with the nation of Israel again individuals today of Israel still can be saved. But the nation as a whole, when the Gentiles come in at the post-tribulational rapture of the church, Gentiles coming in, Gentiles saved at the second coming of the Lord. And He comes and defeats Gentile world powers off of the nation. Read Ezekiel 38. Look at the response of the Jews when He comes back in great glory and power and defeats the Russian armies on the mountains of Israel. Their response of repentance as a nation. Read Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. Look at the response when He comes and stands on the Mount of Olives and they see Him, the one that was crucified. Look at their response as they repent and cry out to Him as He comes. The fullness of the Gentiles is not the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. The fullness of the Gentiles Is when he comes back at the end of the tribulation period. And so all Israel shall be saved. As is written. When he says all Israel. Is he talking about everybody in Israel? No. All Israel. Are the ones. Who have. Repented. And responded. To the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's not done with them. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. There it is. You see that? Say praise the Lord if you do. For this is my covenant unto them which I I shall take away their sins. Because of their failure to believe, grace came to the Gentiles. At His Second coming, His grace is going to come to them. you see this? God's mercy showed to the Gentiles is now going to be showed to the Israelites. They're going to recognize their need for mercy. And when they do, they're going to repent. God's going to use the blindness of the Israelites to give you an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to it. He's going to use you, the Gentiles, who respond to that Gospel to cause Israel to become jealous and to turn to Him. All by mercy. All by grace. As concerning the Gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and callings of God And without repentance. He doesn't change His mind for as ye in times past have not believed God yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy for God hath concluded them all in unbelief that He might have mercy upon all I told you as I come to a close in chapter 9 the beginning of that chapter the Apostle Paul looked at the nation of Israel, and he broke down in tears. He started crying in continual pain and sorrow over the fact that as he looked out at a nation that had received all the promises of God, so few of them were being saved. He goes on and explains that all of Israel is not Israel. Only true spiritual Israel, those that have faith, are the Israel of God. In that chapter 9, chapter 9 verse 30 through chapter 10 and verse 21 he explains the gospel is available to them but the problem was their unbelief why are they not coming in the problem was with their unbelief the problem was with their disobedience in chapter 11 he says but let me show you I'm not done yet with the nation of Israel I still have set my love on them as a nation I want to save them and if they will repent and respond to the gospel they can be saved that man that started out crying ended up rejoicing. For God hath precluded them all in unbelief that they might have mercy upon all, that he might have mercy upon. All. Oh the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him and it shall be recompensed unto Him again for of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. He now ends in rejoicing when He sees the great plan and purpose of God concerning the nation of Israel. God showed Him why so few were responding but God showed him in the end this huge company of Jewish believers Messianic Jews coming into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and as I close when you look at Revelation chapter 12 you see a woman there with a crown of twelve stars on her head she's clothed with the sun and the moon is under her feet. She's heavy with child. Who is that woman? That's Israel. But it's not just natural Israel. She's clothed with 12 stars. She's an apostolic believer. Clothed with the sun. That woman is believing Israel. That's the church who have obeyed the gospel 12 stars, the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Heavy with child. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We coming out of him. We coming out of him. She didn't give birth to Messiah. In a sense, he came out of her. But he gave birth to her. There's a man child coming out of her. Hallelujah. And that's an apostolic church made up of both Jews and Gentiles that you see in Revelation chapter 12. Glow oh, with the sun, moon under her feet, heavy with child. No wonder Paul breaks out with great rejoicing and celebration when he sees the infinite wisdom of God, how he used the failure of the Israelites to give you Gentiles an opportunity, and how he's going to use, amen, to save Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy and extend mercy to them. for us as Gentiles is not to boast, not to brag, to be thankful to the Lord for His great salvation and understand that if He cut off the natural branches because of their unbelief. He'll do the same thing to us. Continue to be the elect of God by grace, by choice. If you're, not, if you're in the non-elect camp today, whether you be Jew or Gentile, whether you be Jew or Gentile, If you're in the non-elect camp today, get out of that and get in the elect of God. Amen. Amen. Because the father that you and I have now is not a natural daddy. We have a spiritual father. His name is Jesus. If I were to look at my natural descent, who my natural father was, I just recently found he's dead. I didn't even know he was dead. Worse than that, I found out my dad, natural dad, died in a prison cell. If I was going by the natural descent, my natural father, I'd end up in the same place he is. I don't go by. I'm not going to live by my natural father's decisions. I'm going to live by my heavenly father's. that said That's when I first was in the church I don't know maybe just a few years maybe in my twenties my dad who I hadn't seen most of my life he abandoned us at three years of age and I hadn't seen him for years and all of a sudden he comes back and he wants to see me and uh, so I said okay Uh, I agreed to see him End up witnessing to him. Got bat- I baptized him personally myself. I baptized that man in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But I just know he's dead now. He died in prison. Okay. Why am I saying that? I am saying that so you'll understand. That you can look at your life and make all the excuses you want to. Say, well, if my daddy was a this or a that, I'd be a different person. No. You are connected to your Heavenly Father now. You've got a different sap flowing through your through your life now. Hallelujah. That old nature's been cut off. You've got a brand new nature in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, brother and sister, I refuse to let my natural descent determine my destiny. Amen? <laughs> You can sit there if you want to, and you can come with all the reasons why you are like you are, why you behave like you do. Yeah. Well, you know, psychological, my daddy, isn't it? mama, this—no, that's a bunch of excuses. You make a choice today to be the elect of God and let the Spirit of God flow in your life to the glory of God, because you got a brand new daddy. Hallelujah! His name is Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you as I close, you'll never be able to pay for your sin. You'll never be able to pay for your sin. Only Jesus Christ can pay for your sin. And You embrace Him and you embrace the finished work. And let the Spirit of God flow in your life and make you a brand new creation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not following in the footsteps of my daddy. I'm not even following in the footsteps of my step daddy you don't know much about me if you did you'd, you'd know that my real name would be Smith I would be Jerry Smith he's the one that died in prison I'm Jerry Carter by adoption and I was adopted by a wife beaten, child beaten man who committed suicide burned our house to the ground in it. He died in it. I saw that my, my stepdad beat my mom running out in the public in an open daylight in a major highway with her clothes ripped off of her body I don't live according to my natural father and I don't live according to my I, and I give all the glory to Jesus Christ. Because if it wasn't for him, I'd be just like him. But he's changed my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right, you look at your, your father, whatever state he's in, whatever condition he's in, you just mark it. I marked it and I told you today, I told you the truth. You just mark it. You make up your mind your daddy's going to be. Live by His word, by His Spirit, and not theirs. Because if you follow in their footsteps, you're going to end up following that same old generational pattern of curse. Tendencies that are there. And I'm not just talking to the men. I'm talking to the girls too. There's a generational curse that comes that means there's a tendency in your bloodstream cause you to want to do the bad things that your daddy does in the natural. Say no. I'm living for Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see you see little Johnny running around and he don't just look like his daddy physically, he acts like his daddy. A lot of people don't understand it. That natural generation also has something to do with the soul of that little kid. I believe some kids know exactly who they belong to not just because they have the physical features because of the, the attitude they got. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord some some habits are learned some are learned habits some are inherited. You can take little Johnny his first day in school is he flipping people off? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, flipping people off, cussing at them. Well, some of that's learned behavior. Some of it's inbred, man. That's why they need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody said, praise the Lord. It's all about whose father you're connected to. And I thank God. You didn't know that stuff about me, did you? Mostly, I never told you that. Now you know. You know why I did that? So you stop making excuses for yourself not that I'm the greatest example but I'm going to tell you one thing I'm sure not in prison today hey, I'm not in prison now brother no you in prison how many of y'all are in prison today no none of you you're out right here how many deserve to be in prison yeah yeah all of you if I had my choice I'd call the police right now and have you all loaded up Come get them all, man. I'll do a prison prison ministry. Amen. Yeah. Now, it's, it's what you do with it. It's what you do with this gospel. It's what you do with this word that is preached to you. Hallelujah. We all got a choice, brothers and sisters, either to be a failure or to be a winner. And I'll tell you who the greatest failure is in the world. is the unbeliever. It's the greatest failure there is. It's the unbeliever. Hallelujah. But the winners are those who say, yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they live for Him. Hallelujah. 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 Like my wife says, often she says, yeah, there's some people, man, they talk a big talk. Where are they today? Hallelujah. I am what I am by the grace of God. You are what you are by the grace of God. But And none of us have. A reason to be arrogant about that, we all know where we came from, and we all know we need God, amen. Say, Praise the Lord! Oh, hallelujah! I'm gonna let you go. You see, oh, brother Timothy up here dancing, man. Now, I'm not supposed to do that because that's worship, you know. I'm not supposed to do that, but I mean, you know, he can't do that without the Holy Ghost. I told him, Don't try, he hurt himself, you know. But the Holy Ghost starts. Moving on him, man. He man, dude. Oh man, look at that guy. Sister Michelle, she, that's why you married him because he can dance. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, praise the Lord. Did y'all used to go dancing, Sister Michelle? Thank God, right? Thank God. Did you even know he could dance? No, she didn't know he could dance either. I, I'm learning. See, y'all learning new things about me. I'm learning new things about Brother Tim over here right? (laughs) I love y'all. All All right, y'all going to come back to church tonight? Amen. Amen. I'm glad you'll be here. You're going to be here tonight, Brother Ken? Okay. Thank God. Love all of you so much. I'm going to live for Jesus, man. I'm going to let Him flow through my life. Hallelujah. I don't want to be broken off, man. I want to be with Him forever, and I know you do as well. May the Lord bless you real good. Jesus, we thank you right now for your awesome word thank you for talking to us helping us god we depend on you today we look to you today we look to your blood today jesus we think what it all boils down to is that when a person hears the word of god preached and this word is not just to bring salvation to you at one time one point in history the bible says That this Word that is preached, He's chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that what? Believe. Not only to get you into salvation and become a believer, but to save you after you become a believer. And after you become a believer, watch this, after you become a believer, your lifestyle, your holiness, (coughs) the way you live, if you're wondering, Today, if you're wondering if you're a part of the elect of God, have you responded? Have you been born again? And then look at your life. Is the evidence there every day that, hey, I belong to God? And yes, you will at times fall short. But the preponderance of the evidence is going to be your life. The preponderance of the evidence is going to be the way you live is the proof that you are part of the elect of God because you've been born again. Say praise the Lord. Okay. So it's the election. And now brothers and sisters, you have to understand we're talking about election in relation to salvation. The Bible talks about election that's not even related to salvation. Cyrus was chosen by God. Elect. Cyrus was an elect of God. But he was never saved as far as I know. But God called him his chosen. Do you realize that God can choose you, elect you in that way, it's not related to salvation? That means He chose you to fulfill a particular task on this planet. There are people that are not even saved today that are chosen by God. To do a specific, they have a specific responsibility to get job get a certain job done on this earth and they don't even know God. God chosen to do that. Could be a president of the United States. Not even saved, but chosen by God. But we're talking about election for salvation. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you chose what he chose? How many of you chose what he chose? How many of you are choosing what he chooses? Then you are the elect of God. Hallelujah. The devil attacks you so you don't belong to God. I chose what he chose. I'm, I might not be what I'm supposed to be, but I'm still elect. I'm still selected. Hallelujah. I'm still on his team because I choose to be on his team. Yeah. You might not choose me. Amen? But the most important thing is that God choose you. Say praise the Lord. So, everybody, everybody clear on election? It's not, election is not God, uh, predestination is not God uh, uh, choosing, determining something about you. It's about God determining something about Himself. If you do what He chooses, if you obey what He chooses, you have nothing to worry about. Hallelujah. You are the elect of God. Say praise the Lord. Now if you don't want to go to heaven, we... We want to make you go to heaven, Brother Timothy, you're going to heaven. I don't care if you like you. Come on, man. You're going to heaven. But I don't want to. Saw so a picture of this cow, you know. Farmer trying to get it out of the mud. Got a rope around its neck. Trying to pull it out of the mud. And that and that, instead of the cow, or the cattle putting its, you know, legs like this and walking out of the mud, it's like this. There's some of you just like that. I preach the word of God to you. And all you have to do is respond. Just put one leg in front of the other, walk out of the mud, and you just sit there. That's gainsayer. Ain't having it. You can't make me. God's not going to make you go to heaven. And God's not going to make you go to hell. You choose to be in heaven, or you choose to go to hell. Some we say, well, God is so mean that He would put people in hell. Ultimately, God doesn't put people in hell. The person puts themselves in hell by the choices that they make. Get rid of that demonic spirit and that rebellious attitude that says, well, I just don't think like that. I'm wired different. You better shake yourself and get out of the position of non-election and walk in the position of election. you got a choice. Well, this happened to me, Pastor, and that happened to me. Shut up and repent and get on fire for Jesus Christ. Stop making excuses for yourself. How many of y'all want to be chosen by God? They that are with Him are called. Many are called, but few are chosen. Revelation says they that are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful a lot of people are called but you're chosen and how much less are faithful to the kingdom of God hallelujah but if you live for Jesus Christ and you're faithful like Sister Christina says service after service year after year year after year no matter what you go through we can look out there and we can see you're still a part of the body of Christ. At least right now, there's evidence I'm the elect. At least right now, there's evidence that I am the chosen one. But I can choose to step out of that. And if I do, God's saying, no, get back where you belong. Get back where you belong. He does know. He does know who's going to be saved. And who's going to be lost? He knows all things. But that doesn't mean he predetermined Concerning you. Hallelujah. Say amen. Okay, let's go on a little bit further. So what's God saying about Israel? God's saying, is how, how can I reject them? As a, he's talking about as a nation. As a nation. How can God say, he said, I haven't cast my people away. How can I throw them away? The nation. Just be done with them. Because God says in my foreknowledge. They were elected according to grace. God saying I chose them when they were unlovable. I chose them when they were the fewest, the fewest in number among the nations. God said I chose to put my love them. I'm not done with them. God by His choice chose to put His love on you. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. How can He be done with you unless you're done with Him? You're not done with Him. He's not done with you. Say praise the Lord. Give God a hand clap of praise. You know the battle you know what it's like. To become the house of God, especially if you've been living with the Lord for a while, and you're just bombarded with so much. You're bombarded with your failures, your shortcomings, your history, your life, and just one thing after another. I'll just say, Lord, You chose me. If I'm not where I need to be, I'm getting there right now. If I'm off that predestined destiny that You have for me, I'm getting back on the highway that's leading to the right way. But you've got a choice in this. You have a choice to be here this morning. You have a choice to not be here this morning. You have a choice to be here but not be here. That means you're here bodily, but your mind's not here. Your spirit's not here. Your heart's not here. Say praise the Lord. Me too. Me too. Me too. I'm here by choice. I think some of you think, I'm making him. No, you ain't making me. You can't make me. I'm here by choice. I'm I'm preaching to you by choice. I'm a pastor by choice. I'm a servant of God by choice. I'm a saint by choice. I choose to be a Christian. Say amen. How many of y'all choose to be a Christian? Hello, elect of God, by grace. You can't stand before God in judgment and say, "Well, you didn't choose me." Oh, yes, I did. I chose you from before the foundation of the world yeah. to be saved, but you didn't want to. So, because of that, you're the non.